This is AMA Fantasy Football, the only fantasy football podcast dedicated solely to you, the fans. Email us your questions at amafantasyfootball at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at amafantasy, and we guarantee your questions will be answered. Now, here is your host, Ellie Berkovitz. Good afternoon, everybody. Hope you're all staying safe, and welcome to another edition of AMA Fantasy Football. You can find us on Twitter at AMA Fantasy. I am your host, Eli Berkovitz, and you can find me on Twitter at Eli underscore NFL. Today we're going to discuss the fallout from this year's NFL draft and which rookies are really in the best position to succeed in 2020. But before we get to any of that and the fans' questions... I am extremely excited to welcome onto the show fantasy expert and host of the Fits on Fantasy podcast, Pat Fitzmaurice. How you doing, Pat? Eli, my friend, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, the Green Bay Packers disastrous draft aside, I'm a Packers fan, so uh, <laughs> I guess I've recovered to some degree. And uh, you know, even though things didn't go well for the Packers, it was really nice to see a live sporting event, uh, even though it was one without any real sweat being involved but uh it was still kind of nice after watching you know 10 and 20 year old highlights for the past however many exactly so uh yeah i'm doing good man hope you're well too i am i am and just like you as the listeners know i am also a packer fan i am also looking to recuperate from this past weekend so that's why we're gonna go and look onto the more positive side of things which is fantasy football which we're going to get to soon but uh, throughout all this, you know, through quarantine and throughout everything going on right now, Pat, what, what have you been up to? Have you been taking up any new activities or hobbies? How have you been keeping yourself busy throughout this crazy time? Yeah, it's funny. Someone had a thread about this on Twitter, whereas, uh, you know, it's kind of like Groundhog Day and you can either be the version of uh, Phil, the weatherman, who <laughs> takes up uh, piano playing and ice sculpting and, and betters himself, or you can be the one who's got seven breakfasts lined up in front of him at the diner in the morning or pulling out a shot of, uh, or a bottle of Jack Daniels with breakfast. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm somewhere in between catching up on sleep, catching up on reading, but, uh, you know, the, the day job and, uh, two kids are still sort of, uh, draining (laughs) a lot of the time away. But, um, you know, for the most part, just kind of, uh, staying safe enjoying the extra family time, running and walking a little more than usual. So, uh, you know, it's a, a mix of good and bad. Zoom is great, but, you know, you miss seeing the friends and family in person. Um, yeah, so just kind of rolling with the punches right now. Yeah, no, I totally hear you. But, you know, like you said, even though obviously we all wish we could be back to normal and kind of going about our regular lives, this quarantine time does kind of give people a chance to take care of some of the things they never get around to reach, you know, for some of the goals they wanted to do, whether it's working out or like you said, reading or finishing up a project right now, you kind of just have all the time you need. So for anyone listening, uh, if you're ever looking to do something, it seems like right now is probably your best chance to do that. Moving on now to the NFL draft and kind of unraveling everything that happened. We got a ton of questions in about some of the top skill position players going into this draft the wide receivers and the running backs in specific. So instead of going question by question, I think we're just going to run through 
some of the top skill position players drafted this year and give a general outlook going into the fantasy season next year. What do you think, Pat? Sure, that sounds great. All right, so let's start at the top with the number one wide receiver drafted this year, which was Henry Ruggs with the Raiders. And Pat, how do you see him faring in his first year in Oakland? In sorry, Oakland, Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Well, easy to make the Freudian slip there, I think. <laughs> a little bit. Eli, it's going to be hard, just as it was with the Chargers, to get used to the new venue. Definitely. Uh, that might take some time. But, yeah, uh, interesting that Ruggs was the, the first wideout chosen. I mean, that was kind of a slight upset with the odds. Um, you know, I, I think there was a chance maybe just because of the pure speed. And, you know, on the surface, maybe some people might wonder uh, how good a fit he is for – Derek Carr's skill set just mm-hmm. because Derek Carr has been kind of a heavy check down guy in the past but really like Ruggs his production he's just not a straight lid lifter like that he's not limited to just being a uh you know a, a go route ball. guy yeah. He, yeah yeah he he did a lot of damage on uh the intermediate stuff and the, the crossing routes um so he might fit that offense a little bit better than you might think on the surface um so you know, I'm I'm not. I it almost would have made more sense or been a more logical fit from a fantasy standpoint. It would have been tidier for us if it would have been Judy or Lamb uh, going to Oakland because they are in need of a high volume receiver. Yeah. And one of those guys, it seems like, would have fit more perfectly as like the alpha receiver. But at the same time, if Ruggs was going somewhere to be. I don't know, the lid lifter opposite a volume receiver. You know, maybe Ruggs doesn't have the fantasy value that he could have. So it's probably good for Ruggs' fantasy value, even if it's not quite as neat a fit as uh, Judy or Lamb in Vegas would have been. Yeah, I hear that. I mean, it happens to be Ruggs the whole offseason. I saw him in Las Vegas, mostly because everyone knows Gruden and Mayock seem to be obsessed with speed. But I never thought Ruggs would be the first guy to go. I actually, I had, I had the Jets and the Niners taking receivers as well, um, and then you would have had, then you would have had Ruggs going to Vegas, while Lamb and Judy went not to Denver and Dallas. But that's just kind of how it went. And I, I could see Ruggs, like you said, he's not that typical volume guy. He's more someone who's going to break a big play when he gets the ball in his hands. But like you said, it's not just going to be deep balls. You could throw him a screen. You could throw him a short slant round. Next thing you know, he's gone. We've seen so many of his slant routes turn into touchdowns, similarly to OBJ. So he's very good at that. So I think Ruggs, it's really going to depend on his connection with Derek Carr. If he could make a connection with Carr in the offseason, which could be hard because of COVID and everything. But if he could do that, I think he could be a decent option in fantasy going into 2020. And now moving on to the second receiver drafted, which was Jerry Judy to the Denver Broncos. How do you how do you see his fit there with Drew Locke? Um, so yeah, this was maybe where I was thinking that Ruggs was going to land, and and that would have been a bit neater for us, you know. Whereas it would have kept Cortland Sutton as maybe the uh, the lead receiver there, and you know have have Ruggs as the complementary piece instead. We bring in Judy, so it's going to be tougher to, uh, you know, parse the tea leaves here as far as the, the target division between Judy and Sutton. Um, you know, you also have Fant, and they added K.J. Hamler later. So that is a lot of, uh, you know, 
it's going to be hard to get targets to everyone, especially when they're coming from sort of a wet behind the ears quarterback that we're not going to be projecting for a 5,000 yard passing season. So um, not a great landing spot, I guess, from a fantasy perspective. I mean, you have to be fairly excited about the talent. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I think Judy's basically a a can't miss guy in this draft. Yeah. Barring, Barring injury, I, I think there's no question that he is going to be a good one. So, um, you know, if, if Locke pans out, it could work out well, and, and we could see Judy turning in 1,000-yard seasons pretty quickly. But, uh, you know, if, if Locke turns out not to be the answer to the Broncos quarterback problems, then, um, you know, that's a really unfortunate fantasy development for anyone who has uh, Judy in a dynasty league. Exactly. I, I, I thought similarly, when it comes to Denver, you already have a pretty crowded weapon room. And you have Sutton, you have Fant, they just drafted last year, they drafted Hamler this year, and then they still have an extremely strong running game in Philip Lindsay and now Melvin Gordon. So I don't know how, at least as a rookie, how many opportunities would be there for Judy. But I think the number one thing, and this goes for basically any wide receiver, it's going to come down to Drew Locke. If he ends up being a good quarterback... He'll make Judy a good receiver, both in real life and fantasy. If Drew Locke doesn't pan out, it's not going to matter for Judy. It probably won't matter for Sutton or for anyone else. That offense is probably not going to be one that you want to look at in fantasy for 2020. But if Locke takes a year two jump, then I think Judy, while he might not be the number one with Sutton there, I think Judy can still see enough targets to make him a an average flex option at best and for sure someone you want to have in Dynasty. And now on to the third receiver drafted, who in my opinion was the best receiver in the draft and should have been drafted first, C.D. Lamb to the Cowboys. Pretty great for Lamb, clearly the best quarterback of top three receivers that were drafted. So how do you see Lamb fitting in in Dallas? Well, I'm with you, Eli, as far as Lamb being my favorite receiver mm-hmm. in this class, um, but definitely not my favorite landing spot for him. It's great for Dak Prescott. Um you know, but on the other hand, all right, so obviously with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup there, it's it's going to be hard to uh, get Lamb the targets he needs to be like a, a, a year one impact guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think in Dynasty, I would still ride with him as my wide receiver one in a, a rookie draft, but it definitely cools my interest in him for redraft this year, landing mm-hmm. there. It's just hard to see a path for him to be um, you know, a, a startable fantasy asset, barring an injury to Cooper or Gallup at some point. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, like you said, it's terrific for Dak's value, and it's terrific for the Cowboys as a team. But when it comes to Lamb's 2020 value in specific, it's going to be a bit difficult for him to really see the targets. But I will say that with Mike McCarthy as the coach and as a Packer fan, Pat, you know this, We've seen many times in the past where multiple wide receivers have been fantasy successful in Green Bay with Cobb and Jennings and Jordy Nelson and James Jones and Devontae. Throughout the last 10 years, most of the time, at least two of those guys have been very fantasy relevant on the same team. But like you said, if they're going to continue to use Gallup as the two and Lamb is coming in as a three, he's not going to be extremely fantasy relevant in 2020. If they look at Lamb as the opposite to Cooper on the outside and maybe slide Gallup into the slot, 
maybe Lamb could get more. But I do agree with you that Lamb, in terms of just specifically 2020, his fantasy value, probably not the best fit in Dallas. And now on to his surprising pick. I guess not. A, I guess you could say surprising, which is Jalen Rager to the Eagles. I think some people or most people had Justin Jefferson as the fourth receiver off the board. But the Eagles went with Rager, who's someone that I actually loved, 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 loved going into this draft. I wish the Packers could have got him. He ended up in Philly. How do you see that working out with other receivers there like Alshon and Sean Jackson? And then you have Zach Ertz also. Yeah, now I was just talking about this with uh, Joe Dolan, who mm-hmm. does uh, – now he's with the startup fantasypoints.com, and he's also heard regularly on the SiriusXM Fantasy Channel. Um, and Joe's an Eagles fan. And he was not that surprised um, by Rigor, Rigor over uh, Jefferson and kind of expected it and thought it was a good move. And I, I kind of agree with that just because – Philly so badly needed a vertical dimension in that offense. Just did not have it last year after uh, the early Deshaun Jackson injury. And it just really hamstrung them, uh, everything they were trying to do offensively last year. And, uh, boy, they just kept adding to it after getting Rieger, getting, uh, you know, Hightower mm-hmm. later and uh, Quest Watkins. And, and Marquise Goodwin. Marquise. Yeah, yeah. He just – they were going to make sure, Howie Roseman was going to make damn sure that he did not get uh, left short on speed and the vertical dimension. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought that there was a chance maybe in this draft that they might try to trade up and get rugs. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they didn't, I don't know, I, I guess I uh, wasn't going to be too surprised if they took Rieger as sort of the consolation prize for the uh, pure speed guy. I know he didn't test out quite as well as some people thought he might at the combine but this dude is really fast yeah as you know and um you know i I think i don't know i mean jefferson is pretty fast too i think his 40 time was a a pleasant surprise at the combine but um you know rieger is definitely more of a a pure field stretcher so that's kind of what kind of what they needed and um you know i like the pick there's immediate opportunity for him for sure and um you know he's got to be I think a top five pick in rookie dynasty drafts and a guy might have some interest in, in, in redraft too. Yeah, no, I hear you. Even with Alshon Jeffrey there and Deshaun Jackson, let's be real. Jackson's been injury prone and hasn't really been all that relevant for a couple of years. And Alshon Jeffrey's Alshon Jeffrey. You know, he's a touchdown dependent, big receiver who in fantasy, like I said, unless he catches a touchdown, you're probably not getting a lot of value out of Jeffrey. I think Rager is a game-breaker and someone that, considering the fact that they took him in the first round, they're going to make sure to use him early and often in that offense. So, like you said, I think Rager not only has good value in Dynasty, I think he could even have some value in redraft leagues right now in 2020. And now on to maybe the most painful pick that I had to see happen this draft. <laughs> Justin Jefferson of the Vikings, someone that from from the moment the season ended – was someone I was pounding the table for for the Packers to draft. And not only did the Packers not get him, he ends up on a division rival. So as much as it hurts, uh, Pat, what, how do you see Jefferson faring with the Vikings in 2020? Yeah, unfortunately, I'm with you here, uh, Eli, in disliking the fact that it's a great fit for Jefferson. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, a team that, Definitely had a vacancy for an instant impact wide receiver after, uh, you know, letting Diggs 
go to the Bills, um, you know, dealing him away. So now, um, you know, Thielen is the alpha guy, but still Jefferson comes in with a chance to, you know, a pretty good chance for 100 or more targets, I would think, right off the bat. So probably the most appeal of any of these wide receivers in year one. It'll be interesting to see how people balance the the opportunity, the immediate opportunity for some of these rookies against the, you know, the scouting and the, the general perception that Lamb and Judy are the class of this wide receiver group. But clearly there's more opportunity for Jefferson this year. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Jefferson went ahead of Lamb and or Judy in some of these rookie dynasty drafts. Yeah, no, I could totally see that. He comes into an offense with a quarterback who, at the very least, can get him the football for the most part. And on an offense that just lost their number two wide receiver. And like you said, I mean, it's a good fit. I think Thielen's still the alpha dog there. But there's no doubt that Jefferson is going to have year one value. And like you said, he could be the number one receiver in 2020 specifically of all the receivers drafted because he's coming into an offense with a clear need with a large chunk of targets open after the digs departure. So I agree as much as it pains me, Justin Jefferson will be someone worth owning in 2020 and obviously very much worth owning in dynasty leagues. And now we we got through the most of the receivers. I'm not going to dive into Brandon Ayuk just because I, I think it's pretty clear what his value is on the Niners. He'll be the two behind Debo Samuel. He's great yards after the catch, and he should have some good value. I'm not that confident in him in 2020. I guess, uh, Pat, what's your opinion on Brandon Ayuk in 2020? Yeah, so I maybe didn't love him quite as much as some other people did coming in. Mm-hmm. Like I get a, a little nervous about the one-year wonder guys, um, and the the four year guys for that matter, guys who don't come out after their yeah. junior years. Um, so yeah, I mean, interesting guy in that he does have amazing speed and is is really good with the ball on his hands and and brings immediate return value to for um, the 49ers. And and maybe we should be, I don't know, maybe I should be paying more attention to that because you know guys who. Um, really pop as return men in college uh that seems to improve their odds of success at the nfl level you know but they do have kittle and they do have debo who just you know really broke out in such Mm -hmm. a big way late last season late in the regular season and during their playoff run so um he's going to be a complimentary piece right off the bat and it, it does help that manny sanders is no longer around and and now they don't have marquise goodwin as a, a possible speed threat guys yeah, a guy who's going to steal snaps. So um, there's a decent amount of opportunity for him there. You know, I'm not going to really chase him, though, just because I don't think there's a chance for him to break out and be a, uh, a primary receiver on that team. Exactly, especially with the Niners' run-heavy style. I think that that offense can basically support Kittle and one receiver. And as of now, I see that receiver being Debo Samuel. So we'll Agreed. see how that goes for Ayuk. But now let's move on to a couple running backs that I thought were very interesting starting off with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in Kansas City. Seems like such a great fit. Andy Reid has already meant, you know, compared him almost to Brian Westbrook, and obviously that's a terrific comparison. So how do you see Clyde Edwards-Hilaire going with the Chiefs in 2020? Yeah, it's hard not to like this one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so many people thought it might be DeAndre Swift going in that 32nd spot, 
And, um, you know, Edward Solaire is someone that a lot of people liked after seeing, you know, LSU was kind of must-watch TV for college football fans this past season. And, uh, you know, as good as Burrow was, uh, Edward Solaire was a key cog at making that offense just the unstoppable juggernaut that it was in 2019 and uh burrow himself even said like of all the players he's played with and and think about that like he's played with you know jefferson and jamar chase who's going to be probably a top 10 pick next year um you know all the guys he played with back when he was at ohio state and that edward zolaire was like the best guy he's played with so far yeah, like that's, that's high, that's high praise. Indeed, man, indeed. And, you know, just that little pinball style, uh, the versatility, running, passing, or running, catching. Yeah, it's really exciting in that offense. And it's just a matter of whether he completely usurps Damian Williams in that offense mm-hmm. and, you know, becomes the, the, key, the clear lead guy right off, whether he sort of has to serve an apprenticeship under Williams for some or much of the season next year yeah it's just kind of how the workload is is calibrated there i guess but um you know i I think dynasty rookie drafts you got to put him in either one or two um you know for me he's two but um who do you have a one definitely a guy who's who do i have ahead of him yeah who do you have a one oh it's it's taylor for me oh okay so that he's the next guy we're going to talk about yeah, we can we can talk about him in a second here, but uh, I'm certainly excited about Edward Zolaire for both Dynasty and Redraft. I mean, this was just, it's such a fun fit. I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, how it actually looks. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. I think, like you said, he will have to split some time with Damian Williams, which won't help him a ton in 2020. But Joe Burrow saying he's, you know, maybe the best player he's played with is a big deal. And for the Chiefs, knowing they have Damian Williams to still take him in the first round, it must mean they're pretty pretty confident in who he is as a player. So I think he will be worth owning even in redraft leagues in 2020. But now let's go on to the player you're clearly most excited about, which is Jonathan Taylor going to the Indianapolis Colts. How do you see that all going down for him? Yeah, well, first of all, full disclosure, Eli, I am a University of Wisconsin-Madison alumnus, mm-hmm. and... Uh, you know, it would basically take either a wedding or a funeral for me to miss <laughs> a Wisconsin football game. So I've seen every snap that Taylor's ever taken for wow. the Badgers. And, um, yeah, I mean, I just like seeing is believing with this guy. And, um, you know, it's funny that some people, I don't know, some people actually thought he was like a plotter or something coming into this season. I mean, if you watched enough Wisconsin games, they were eventually going to trot out the highlights uh, the, the high school highlight footage of him running the 100 meters. Mm-hmm. And uh, clearly he was not just a between-the-tackles grinder. Um, you know, get him in the uh, – get him just a sliver of daylight, and he was gone. Just great straight-line speed, but just incredibly hard to bring down, man. Like really the, an exquisite power-speed combination. Um, you know, always falling forward, moving the pile – and really nifty footwork in the hole too. I mean, just like Fred Astaire footwork. So mm-hmm. this guy is indeed the total package, um, you know, and, and really improved his pass catching chops between his uh, sophomore and junior season. So all of that, and then give him this 
uh, dream fit, I think, with the Colts running behind Quentin Nelson and the rest of that offensive yep. line. Um, you know, for a team that also wants to, I think, keep defenses honest and, and keep them from pinning their ear and going after their immobile 37, 38-year-old quarterback, Phillip Rivers, mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to want to run the ball uh, without question, and they have the personnel to do it now. And I think he instantly steps in and, and kicks Marlon Mack to the curb. He's my rookie running back number one without question. No, I, I actually agree with you. I think, especially because of the fit, even with Marlon Mack there, it seems like Mar- Mack is either injured or not exactly performing up to the level that some people in fantasy thought he would. He's never really truly broken out. He's had some good games, but... He's dealt with injuries, and he hasn't been a true game-changer, and I think that's exactly what Jonathan Taylor is. I mean, at Wisconsin, like you said, over 6,100 total rushing yards, 50 rushing touchdowns. I mean, that's insane. Over just three years, 50 rushing touchdowns in three years. That's incredible. So, like you said, I do think Marlon Mack, if it's not week one, it will be soon enough that Mack is taking a backseat to Jonathan Taylor And Taylor's going to be the running back of the future for the Colts. And I think it was a great pick for them. And now on to another running back pick, DeAndre Swift to the Lions. A bit of a curious pick because they took Kerryon Johnson a couple years ago in the second round. So how do you see Swift and Kerryon working together? Or do you see it as Swift taking over? What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, this one is the mystery, Eli. I mean, because Swift is a terrific player, um, you know, coming into this. Without knowing the landing spots, I would have had him at number two behind Taylor. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just hard to see how this is going to shake out, whether this means, unlike the, the Taylor-Mack situation, where um, even though I think Mack is a, a pretty decent running back, um, you know, I just think it's clearly going to be Taylor's show. I'm not quite as sure with the Lions thing. They might have you know, specific roles in mind for these two. It might be more of a committee approach. Um, boy, I, it's a messier fit for sure. Um, you almost worry a little bit about the stink of the Lions organization rubbing off on Swift to Literally. some degree. I hate to say that, and, and there are probably Lions fans listening who want to kill no, me it's... right now. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just, like, not my, my favorite landing spot at all. I'm not quite sure what to make of him. I mean, it definitely moves him down the pecking working order for me in Dynasty rookie drafts to, um, you know, and I've, I've got to finalize my board here because I've actually got my first Dynasty rookie draft on uh, Wednesday. So, um, but it, it's definitely Edwards, Alaire, and Taylor. Uh, Taylor one, Edwards, Alaire two, and then Swift probably for me behind Dobbins and maybe even Akers and no, I hear Keyshawn you. Bond. I know, I know it seems silly somewhat, but, I mean, let's be real. The Lions have managed to take so many talented players and either make them not talented or make them not interested in football and just don't want to be there. I mean, the Lions franchise as a whole has been suspect at best. So, like you said, I think Swift didn't end up in the best spot he could have been hoping for, especially considering they already have a running back they just drafted two years ago in the second round. So we're going to have to see how Swift goes, but he's not necessarily someone I'm super high on. For sure, in redraft leagues and even in dynasty leagues, like you say, he's not at the top of my list. And now 
Before we get to some of the fans' questions, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And we are back here on AMA Fantasy Football, and now it's on to the top fan questions of the week. We've got some really good ones here, Pat, so let's get right to it with number one. Our first question comes in via email from John88. Who would you pick as the most likely to be a surprise rookie fantasy star? So let's say someone not drafted in the first round. Who do you think can can really make a huge impact this year in 2020 as a rookie? All right, for immediate impact, um, you know, let, let's even go beyond um, – the, the second round running backs and some of the high round guys. Cause like, I think any of these guys drafted on day one or t- day two are expected to have a major role, but like a guy who's really under the radar. And I think there could be an interesting opportunity and not a guy necessarily love the outlook for, but was one of those guys just like kind of keep an eye on where he lands. Uh, and I think he landed in just a, a potentially great spot is DJ Dallas for mm. Seattle. Good. T- good. Call. Um, yeah, just going to a place where they love to run the ball. They've shown just this organizational dedication to the running game. Um, it, a place where the top two running backs are coming up pretty significant injuries. Um, you know, Chris Carson with just this battering ram style that makes you think he's probably going to wear out pretty early uh, and, and maybe not have the window for success that uh, some running backs would have just because of the physical style and the way he relishes mm-hmm. contact coming off his hip injury. And obviously Rashad Penny tearing his ACL pretty late in the season. Yeah. I can't, can't remember if it was week 13 or week 14. I know it was like mid December. Yeah, one of the last weeks um, of the year. Yeah. Yeah. So possibly a, a candidate for the pup list this year. Uh, there could be an opportunity for DJ, DJ Dex and, um, you know, they, they seem to have a knack. I mean, Carson himself was a late-round pick. Exactly. And that organization has shown that draft capital does not matter as much with them as it does for a lot of other teams. The fact that Carson has been able to hold off Penny so far, with Penny having been a first-round pick and Carson having been a late-round pick. So, boy, if, if Dallas comes in, comes in and is ready to work hard and, uh, you know, win over that coaching staff – he could be a really nice sleeper this year. Yeah, no, I hear that. And I actually, like you said, I mean, Seattle, we've seen year after year, once Lynch was gone, they had a lot of, not necessarily no name, but like you said, late round picks or even undrafted guys that held down pretty steady roles on their offense. And after drafting Rashad Petty in the first, they clearly didn't seem to say, you know, you must be the guy because you're a first round pick because he hasn't been the guy and he's coming off an ACL injury. So I like that call of DJ Dallas having a potential first-year impact. And I guess mine is a little bit less hot-takey, I could say. But I think Devin DuVernay found himself a good spot in Baltimore with the Ravens. They have a lot of receivers there, but not necessarily a lot of good receivers. They have Hollywood Brown, who's their big big play guy. And then it's kind of, you know, it's Seth Roberts, it's Willie Sneed, Miles Boykin. No one is really changing the game, for sure out of the slot. I think Snead was supposed to be the slot guy. He has not been what they were hoping for coming out of New Orleans. And I think DuVernay could come in from day one, take over the slot role, and he's not going to see a ton of targets out of a very run-heavy Ravens offense. But I think he could have some of those major splash weeks, similar to Hollywood Brown, or more importantly in PPR, 
have at the very least a nice floor out of the slot with five or six catches, and then you just got to hope he gets in the end zone or breaks off a big play, and he could be an interesting look for 2020. And now on to the next one, and this one is something I found very interesting and I'm going back and forth on, is, and this one comes in from Tony K uh, from Facebook. Assuming they both start from day one, who do you think has a better 2020 fantasy season, Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert? So you got Burrow in Cincinnati with a potentially healthy A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, and the new draft pick T. Higgins. And you have Justin Herbert with the Chargers, who has Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, and Austin Eckler. So both have decent options. Who do you see having a better season? Burrow, without question, Tony. Um, yeah, I, so I'm not a huge Herbert fan. Um, rocket for an arm. Uh, very mobile pretty much beat my Badgers with his legs in the Rose Bowl this past season. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm not – some people are really Justin Herbert haters and, and think he belonged nowhere near the top ten in the draft. I don't know about that. I mean, I think he's sort of a jury jury's out guy where I, I think he could pan out and be a, an average to above average starter in the league. I think he also has, you know, much worse in his range of outcomes. So – like, I'm not totally dumping on the guy, but, um, you know, I'm a much bigger believer in Burrow, you know, who's just so moxie and showed it last year. I mean, just, like, great at feeling pressure, tremendous pocket presence, um, you know, not super fast, but, like, mobile enough and really smart about when to run, when to just buy himself a, a, an extra second in the pocket, stands in and takes hits. Uh, really nice touch. I mean, he was just so good last year, and and I know he was really not on people's radar as a potential top pick this year before he just put everything together in his final season. And and maybe some people worry that he's kind of a one year wonder, but boy, that one year was just yeah, it so was convincing. it was it was and, beyond uh, incredible, definitely. Yeah, and you know he steps into a good situation with. You know, the weapons, they add T. Higgins to a group that already includes Boyd and A.J. Green, assuming they don't trade him, and, yeah. and John Ross, who started to flash yep, a little John bit. Yeah, John Ross, I hear that's true. And, uh, you know, they're getting Jonah Williams, their first-round pick last year back from injury, adding to an offensive line that got better as the year went on. So, and, and Joe Mixon, you know, they have balance with Mixon and a good pass catching back in Gio Bernard. So it's a pretty nice situation for him. I believe in the talents. Uh, you know, that's a pretty easy choice for me, I guess. All right. Yeah, no, look, I, I can't argue with that there. Joe Burrow had maybe the greatest college season ever. He's got good weapons, especially if A.J. Green is still on the team and continues to stay healthy. So, yeah, I'm all in on Burrow, both in Dynasty, obviously, and then even even in the 20, even for redraft leagues, I think he could be someone you look at Maybe with your one of your last picks of the draft, he'll probably still be there and just bank that he breaks out as a rookie. And then our final question comes in from Saul out in New York, and uh, he wants to know which current NFL player do you think is the biggest winner after this year's draft? The biggest winner, you know, I. Let me call this a tie between two quarterbacks. I mean, you could go a lot of different ways, I guess. Um, you know, just like yeah. I mean, it's a broad question, so sure. it's yeah. Got, 
guys who didn't get any competition added, you know, guys yeah. like um, Jordan Howard, although I the Dolphins did trade for Matt Burita, so um, maybe not quite as clean as if they just hadn't drafted anyone, or, or James Conner or someone where they didn't really add a top running back. But I think my mind definitely goes right to the quarterback, Prescott's getting – you know, just this sick wide receiver trio of Cooper and Gallup and uh, CeeDee Lamb. That's phenomenal. And the guy who absolutely now, and we talked about it earlier, who's just totally set up to succeed if, if he can, uh, you know, not make some of the poor decisions that he made at points during his college career is Drew Locke. Um, you know, John Elway has really given this kid the uh, the weapons he needs to succeed and and I think really kind of you know even though I try not to go overboard on judging quarterbacks based on the weapons they have I mean I made a big mistake with that a couple of years ago where uh you know I figured with Odell Beckham and Sterling Shepard and Evan Engram that Eli Manning could fall backwards into a 4,500 35 touchdown season and uh you know Eli was just kind of washed up at that point and it didn't happen so if Drew Locke is a, a bad quarterback, you know, the, the weapons aren't going to save him. But, I mean, if, if you know, some of the bright spots he showed late last season are, are for real and not just a mirage, um, yeah, he's got the weaponry to succeed this year. Totally hear that. That's a good call. I personally wrote down Devontae Adams. Like you said, no competition added to that group. Devontae was already, obviously, a terrific fantasy player, but... If they would have added a first or second round receiver, there could have been maybe a couple targets gone. But with no additions, you have to assume Devontae is going to once again be just destroyed with targets, and especially in the red zone. So just like last year, going into this season, I'm going to be going back and forth with Devontae Adams and Michael Thomas as my top two receivers. I understand how Thomas, how good Thomas was last year, but Adams... He's just so by far the greatest receiver on that team. I think he plays with a better quarterback. So I think Adams is, is in position to potentially finish as the number one receiver in fantasy this season. Yeah, that's a really good call. I mean, uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to have little choice but to pepper him with targets this <laughs> Ex- year. Exactly, exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> so, Pat, we got through all the fan questions, all the rookie rankings. It was so amazing of you to come on the show during everything going on. I really, really appreciate it. And before we go, I just wanted to know if you have any closing thoughts, whether it be about the draft, fantasy, what's going on in the world right now, whatever you got for the fans on the way out. Yeah, well, uh, I hope everyone stays safe and sane through all this. Obviously, this is uh, you know like nothing else that any of us have ever lived through. Yeah. And, um, you know... We can talk about shared experiences that previous generations have had, like World War II and the Great Depression, where they had to face incredible adversity and sort of stick together. And, uh, you know, we had been sort of a, a polarized and politicized society coming into this. And, and that's, you know, driven a lot of uh, it's created this big rift, I think, in our country. And, and maybe I don't know, maybe this is what we need to help bridge that a little bit um to overcome a collective trauma like this so i don't know i'm i'm that's my silver lining thought on everything and you know i hope we get football even if it's without fans in the stands i hope we get the regular nfl season uh fingers crossed on that and uh 
that's about it, Eli. It's it's great that you had me on. I really appreciate it and really enjoyed the conversation. And uh, I hope we can talk again real soon. Absolutely. We'd love to have you back on the show. And quickly, Pat, before we go, where can everyone find you on social media? And tell us about all the great work you do on your podcast and for thefootballgirl.com. Oh, thanks, Eli. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Fitz, F-I-T-Z underscore F-F. I have a weekly podcast as Eli mentioned called Fits on Fantasy and uh, you can find my rankings and articles at thefootballgirl.com I'm not the football girl but my friend and colleague <laughs> Melissa Jacobs is and uh, allows me to park my content on her site for which I'm very grateful and uh, you know sometime by the end of the week I should have Dynasty uh, full Dynasty not just Rookie but Dynasty and Rookie and Redraft ranks wow. up on the site um, I, I'd like to think that's going to happen by Friday that's awesome. I will definitely be keeping a look out for that. Everyone should make sure to go give Pat a follow on Twitter. And his rankings and content on thefootballgirl.com really is great. I've been looking at it week after week for multiple seasons of fantasy, and it's awesome stuff. And everyone out there listening, once again, we're just getting started here on AMA Fantasy Football. Each and every week we'll be bringing you new episodes with fantastic guests and as always, be answering every single one of your questions. So make sure to send in those questions for next week's show on Twitter at AMA Fantasy or email us at amafantasyfootball at gmail.com and we will make sure to get all of your questions answered. Stay safe, everybody. We're out. Yeah.